welcome back to My Boyfriend is a Podcast. I'm your co-host Charles and I'm with... Nick. Uh, I'm here too. <laughs> this week we've got three really great episodes. Unironically enjoyed every second of these stupid children's cartoon episodes. What about you, Nick? Yeah, uh, Blitzkrieg is so far the best episode of this show and I'm glad we're watching it. After the first episode, two episodes of our podcast, we're on our third episode, so the third three-episode rule applies to us. Exactly. So. This is where the content starts. This is where, where things get good. That's right. We start off with uh, episode six? Episode six. It's we start, six. <laughs> we started with episode six, Blitzkrieg. Um, this, as we mentioned, is probably the best one we've seen so far, and I've seen a couple of episodes ahead of where we are now. And this is still probably the best episode, I think, by far. This might just be the best episode of anime ever. If you don't like this episode, just don't watch anything animated ever again until you die. Because you won't like it. This is the point where we've got to start thinking of like other animated episodes and then have really terrible opinions about them. Like, uh, like that Cowboy Bebop episode where Faye gets a Betamax tape from like 10 years ago. That's my favourite episode of anything cartoon this might be as good as that, I think. Yeah, right. I can't remember Cowboy Bebop at all, except that they always got away at the end, but made no money. Yeah, but this one's great because, like, so she gets a a, a, a tape, like, this, like, intergalactic FedEx turns up and is like, yo, we got this tape, and you have to pay $100 for it, and Faye won't do it, and then so the other guy, the tall guy, the guy with the robot arm, that yep. dude is like, I'm paying for this tape, I gotta watch it. And it's like a tape and they can't watch it. So they fly off to like the, the Museum of Intergalactic Technology, get a VHS player, bring it back, put it in. And in a joke that extremely does not land these days, it doesn't fit because it turns out it's a Betamax tape, not a VHS tape. And so they have to go all the uh, way back. I vaguely back. do remember this now. So <laughs> we've got our three best, best episodes of Robotech yet. And we've opened our episode discussing a different anime. We're off to a great start. Well, anyway, the, the, the point of the episode is, is like... It doesn't matter. You're it's right. good. We should, we should, it's good. We'll start about it. Blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg. It turns out that all the damage that they suffered last episode when they transformed the ship has been completely repaired. Because... It's two months. It says it's been two months. Yeah, and this is the start of the show. Um, not playing fast and loose with time, but like it will go quickly through time. And it's something I didn't notice when I watched it when I was a kid. But they really want to go through time, if that makes sense. Yeah. We cut to Rick and he's got like this training montage, a straight up training montage. He's running, he's jumping over things, he's flying a plane. He's crawling across a very well-maintained lawn in a park somewhere because they're on a space station. <laughs> yeah. and then he, Jungle hero. And then he lands a plane in space, but space doesn't work like that. You don't need to land a plane because you're not fighting gravity because there is no gravity in space. Editors note, I think there is actually gravity in space. Yeah, well, it's fine. That's what the wings are for. <laughs> so we finished that that, that that training montage and uh, Rick goes on leave and he and Minmay are wandering down the street and Minmay sees a clothing store and this is how good this episode is it starts off with the hits it goes straight for the hits it doesn't doesn't waste time with anything Rick and Minmay go into a clothing store Minmay's like I'm going to try on some clothes no peeking because Rick's a giant klutz he drops all like the groceries he's he's holding and then suddenly the bridge crew all the girls from the uh, bridge come in and start looking at lingerie and they see rick and they get really embarrassed and hilarity ensues and they all run away yeah so i'm not a hundred percent sure like what the problem is here because i feel like whenever you see a guy in a women's clothing shop you just assume that their girlfriend is in the change rooms and you know whenever i'm in a women's clothing shop it's usually because you know i'm 
my girlfriends in the change rooms. It's only like me buying women's underwear like maybe one time out of every 20. And it's like, it's like his kink would have to be so specific. I get off on buying a load of groceries and holding a paper bag full of groceries and then watching and then women. Dropping and then dropping it. And then looking at women looking at lingerie. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, back on the uh, on the ship, in the like the the business part of the ship, Freaky Black Eyes from the last episode discovers that there's like weird stars flying around the inside of the ship, and he decides that these weird special effects stars that are inside the ship that have happened as a result of the space jump, he could probably turn into some sort of shield. And without any hesitation, the captain says, "Let's do it." Because why not? Yeah, so this part deeply annoyed me because it sets very unrealistic expectations of R&D departments everywhere. <laughs> this is not how engineering works, goddamn. This is not how engineering works. If you go, hmm, there's some wiggly fields and I have a rough theory, I'll have something working by the end of the day. The, the more realistic thing would be like, hmm, there's some wiggly fields. What I reckon I can do is, is I can make the perfect steak if I fried a steak in this wiggly field and they put the steak in the wiggly field and then as an accident they discover the, uh, the thing that they're looking for. Yeah, that's it's, that's more realistic. It's like like space penicillin, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the sound of a joke, just like skimming that wall and not landing <laughs> at all. All right, we cut on board the uh, on on the we cut to sports center and the uh, Zentradi sports center crew are there. Like, um, how you doing, sports fans? We can't wait. This is all gonna. Be- Oh, hey, Al, it's a great day to be here. It's a great day to play some ball. It's a great day. You know, we've got to, in order to win this, we've got to shoot down more planes than we shoot down of theirs. No, no wait, fuck. Hang on. We're going to have to get rid of this entire thing. On the Zentradi ship, uh, they can't work out why they turned into a giant robot. Have they even been watching this TV show? Everything turns into a robot. We've established it. And yet... The whole point of this scene is that the aliens just go, oh, well, they're definitely 100% going to do this thing because we're both tactical geniuses and this is the obvious thing to do. And to yeah. the point where the show doesn't even have a scene later on that set, where Captain Global goes, yes, this is what I'm going to do. We just have to assume, yep, the aliens nailed it. This is obvious. So there's, they, they're hanging out and they go, um, they call these, they, is it Saturn? Saturn, right? This is Saturn, right? Saturn? Yep. Hello? They, they, it's Saturn. Like, it's got rings. Um, uh, me, I too watched the episode a week ago. They call the Saturn the sixth planet, which I think is a kind of cute touch. Like they don't know that it's called Saturn. And I think it's like a nice uh, educational touch, you know, so that kids at home watching the stupid robot anime can at least learn some tr- pub trivia. Exactly. And um, as you as you pointed out, they decide that you know they're going to follow i've got in my notes of the rings of mars so you're like it's satin it's clearly not obviously satin to me because i put mars down well to be fair <laughs> i'm the sort of person who could you know name all the planets in the solar system given the number so yeah they say that they're going to follow the stf into the rings of satin and they're going to stage an ambush and then Britai says it'll be like shooting fish in a barrel whatever that means <laughs> i don't know how they discovered the phrase shooting fish in a barrel used it in context correctly and then don't understand yeah what it's it means. it's very questionable writing yeah but it's, is but... it just like that thing where people use words they don't fully understand but they use them in the one context they heard them exactly it reminds me of um undergraduate essays undergraduate essays my my legal writing and also uh when i was a kid i read a star wars book where somebody's like 
you know, I'm going to fight the Imperials, but the Imperials make the best coffee. It has a certain je ne sais quoi, as they say. And I'm like, where do they say je ne sais quoi in your fake Star Wars universe? Is it just like French Star Wars? Space plants. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 the evil empire. Oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> back with Rick and Roy. They're hanging out inside the base. Roy's like, congratulations. You've, uh, you've become a pilot. You're a proper military man now. You're a real man. And then... Uh, Enlist the today, children. Enlist today. And then the bridge crew turn up. And which is like Lisa and all four of the other girls from the bridge whose names I don't remember. Rick doesn't salute. The girls laugh at him and then start calling him Mr. Lingerie. That's right. Great. Lisa's like, is this our brilliant new pilot? Roy introduces uh, him to Lisa and then suddenly she recognizes who he, who he is. You're that loudmouth pilot. <laughs> and then Rick goes, and you must be that. Yep. <laughs> Which is a great, good. really good exchange. And then Lisa goes, I don't know what your particular problem is, but it doesn't look, at, look good hanging out in lingerie shots. They start to walk away and one of the girls turns to him and goes, Letcher. It's so good. <laughs> uh, we, we go back to the bridge and the captain decides that uh, instead of falling for this trap that everybody knows is going to happen, he's going to order a Blitzkrieg. Which is why the episode's called Blitzkrieg. Yeah, but it doesn't really actually make any sense and they don't really explain what a Blitzkrieg is and the concept of a single ship in space. It, especially because it's like, you can't have like... The whole point of like revolutionary maneuverable warfare doesn't really count when everybody's in space and super maneuverable anyway, right? Yeah, like it's like, hmm, okay, so Blitzkrieg. Where's space Poland? And who's yeah. the mechanized assault? Yeah, exactly. What what ground are we covering? So uh, because they're about to go on a giant mission, uh, Rick is standing with all his flight mates, and there's like this pattern style motivational speech where he's like, this dude is hyping up everybody. With the highlight being, "All right, men, I want you to think of only one thing: Robotech." <laughs> I want you to think of robots. So Lay um, back and think of Robotech. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> yes. Episode title: Lay back and think of Robotech. Um, Rick and Minmay decide to hang out after dark because Rick is really bad at operational security. He just tells her that they're going on a giant attack. It's okay. I don't think she's a nine foot spy. <laughs> she is not a nine foot spy. Um, Rick is super mo- moody because he's Rick and he's moody, and Minmay doesn't care because Minmay doesn't care. Yeah, so Minmay is just... This is one of the times where no matter how hard you try, you cannot give Minmay the benefit of the doubt. Rick is very obviously shitting his pants that he's going to die before he gets laid, the fear of all 15-year-olds who haven't had sex. And uh, she just totally doesn't read the mood and he's like, yeah, congrats, you're going on your first mission. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> you ready to kill some people to take another man's life in the name of a cause? Notice the dress that I bought, because I'm sure that's the thing that's most on your mind right now. Yeah, so so she's like, do you notice the the, the, the dress? Which is the dress that she picked out when they were in the lingerie store early on. Yeah, when he was and being a creep. When he was being a creeper. And Rick doesn't recognize it and tries super hard to save it. And he's like, oh, you look so good. We, we should take a, a, a photo. And then they, they call over a camera and there's like this camera hiding in the bushes. It's like the bush pervert camera. This thing is the best. It is the most... This is probably the best example of like retro future technology because it's a a fully sentient robot that is also one of those. Oh man, I'm showing my lack of age here. What do you call those cameras again? Where the uh, prints? Yeah, it? like a Polaroid camera. That's the one. A Polaroid yeah. camera with like legs that understands voice commands comes over and takes their photo, 
Minmay makes a comment about not being pretty enough for a photo that implies that photographs are still viewed as like expensive things that you take occasionally. <laughs> and it's amazing that technology is literally the opposite in that we cannot make voice controlled robots that don't involve screaming at Google for like 40 minutes to turn the lights on, but we can take thousands of instantaneous photos at any time. It, it, you're exactly, you've, you've hit the, the, the nail on the head there. Like they've identified that people are still going to want to take photos in the future and that they're going to want to take selfies, but they don't realize that there'll just be like a portable camera in your hand that'll send it you know, digitally everywhere you need it. Yeah, for free instantly. I've got an idea. Do you think that maybe Minmay just realizes that Rick's the protagonist of a children's TV show, show and then just doesn't care because she knows he's not going to die because the show can't continue without him? Oh, yeah. She is, she is shown to be clever. Maybe she's far too clever for her own good. She's like, <laughs> oh, fuck it. They're going to mischaracterize me as being like women always be shopping anyway, so I may as well live up the high life and just tease this nerd. <laughs> uh, inside the bowels of the ship, uh, Creepy Black Eyes has turned those sparkles into the point defense system. Which is another highlight of this. Barrier. Another highlight of this incredible episode. So Rick is uh, lying in bed thinking about Robotech, and Roy knocks his door, comes by, and is like, "You should count some fan jets." Which I don't like. Does he mean like the actual engine? Count the engines of a plane, the fan jets of an engine. I think this or is just standard George Lucas talk. D- it means nothing. It's just nonsense tech talk. Tech she talk. Wants spacey enough. <laughs> what? What is UN Spacey? Is that a thing? Is that actually a thing? Or is that just a made-up tech talk thing? I don't know. Is okay. it Kevin's, well, like, Scottish brother? <laughs> uh, Roy's like, sorry. He's like, I feel bad for the kid. The first combat gig is always the worst. And then, uh, it, you know, we go to the next day and there's, like, a fighter plane taking off montage, which I'm sure young Charles would have thought was the, was the greatest thing in the whole wide world. And to be fair, old Charles still probably thinks it's awesome as well. Uh, Rick asks to take off and his voice breaks. Yeah, take off, please. <laughs> and uh, then another... Um, the animation is getting better. I think maybe they're getting more money because they're flying through the wing- rings of Saturn, which are like small rocks. Oh, this this scene is, is so good. Yeah, and it actually looks really cool as they're flying in between like the, the r- rings of Saturn. I think it's more that these are the kind of episodes where they sunk the animation budget in. Like, this is why everyone walking around shopping centers is stilted. Yeah, sure, that more makes sense. So Rick's flying through the rings of Saturn, and then Lisa calls him up on the space phone and gives him shit for doing loop-to-loops. She's just, just pretty much like, shut up, Hunter, follow your instructions. All the other fighter jets are flying safe, and you're not, you're, you're bad. And then um, they fly through like the dark side of the of the rings, which is this really cool. Looks so good. Yeah, it's really really cool. Um, Lisa calls him up again, and Lisa just gives him you know even more shit because Rick's terrible. And uh, on the bridge, Claudia's like, um, "God, this guy's the worst." He keeps talking back to his senior officer like there he yeah, goes or something. And then and Lisa's like, "Well, actually, he's not that bad, even though she's just spent the you know the last five minutes calling him useless." To be fair, there's a little bit of a hint of a smile when she's making fun of him for being slower than everyone else in the dark. Yeah, and uh, we know that now that we've seen like a couple episodes ahead, where it's like Rick is starting to get a boner for this girl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, there's a tradi ship. They're told you got to attack, but then the humans attack first. Yes, because that's the Blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg means counterattack if you are a Russian captain on a Japanese television show. Uh, and then Exodor has a, a complete meltdown. Why are they attacking? I don't understand. <laughs> Rito's like, we don't, they don't understand that this is but a small potential of our final form or whatever it is that they say in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Um, the uh, SDF tries to fire its big main gun that we saw previously, but Black Eyes has fucked everything up and the gun won't fire. 
And then the captain says that Russian thing that Russian people say in Western TV shows when things go wrong. Which one's that? Is it, oh, Bojomoy. Oh, Bojomoy. Whatever, whatever that means. Something it's the like thing that. that. Yeah. Um, and then we have the, the highlight of the mission. So the, the mission, highlight of the episode. So the Zentradi are attacking and then you see a segment with three girls trying to stop the lasers from hitting the ship using their... Um, yeah. trackballs to guide the point defense system so the pinpoint barrier system is three very tiny dots that they can position with trackballs anywhere <laughs> on the transformer robot body and the whole scene is like five minutes of these girls screaming wildly flailing at a trackball and just catching a missile or a laser beam or whatever with a little circle it is it's really stupid and so great. funny and really well <laughs> yeah. animated and just hysterically good. Yeah, definitely. And then we cut to the uh, the Zentradi officer in charge of the attack and he's like, those damn meddling kids, how dare they stop my attack? On the bridge, Lisa's like, oh no, we're taking heavy heavy casualties, but I've got an idea. And um, Rick is, meanwhile, fighting his dogfights and he gets shot down and he goes flying towards the ship and then, because he's the worst pilot in the world, he crashes and then falls inside the Zentradi ship. And he stands up in his robot form, and like the toilet door opens, and there's like a Zentradi guy walking out, pulling his pants up. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> and then uh, Lisa's wild plan is she puts all the point defense stuff on the on one of the hands of the robot, and the they punch the front of the what? Just the tip. Just the tip of the of the spaceship. And they jam it into the front of the ship and they open up the front of the spaceship and there's all these um, Robotech... Now remember, the arms of this spaceship are aircraft carriers. Yes, yes. There's rams and aircraft carriers to the front of the ship and they open it up and they fire missiles and it's like this really cool animation of like the little explosions inside the ship making little divots or whatever it is. Yeah, it's really cool. But uh, I think this episode is the official originator of Macross Missile Spam because there's a lot of missiles all the time in this episode. Yeah, no, definitely. This is obviously, you know, where everyone copies everything from. Um, It looks really cool. And uh, because Rick is the protagonist of this TV show, luckily at the last second he escapes from it before it explodes. And he doesn't have to kill the guy who he's scared. Coming off the loop. Yeah. Because the guy and just the- dies in the explosion, but it happens off camera, so... <laughs> exactly. Ex- exactly. Uh, on the Zentradi ship, Brito's like, God damn it, I'm sick of losing to these cowards, I'm going to call in reinforcements. Ha 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 ha. And this is the start of um, a bunch of episodes where people laugh non-stop. It's great. Pretty great. The narrator, of course, tells us that Rick can't get the scared look of that Zentradi warrior out of his face. Things were changing inside of him. This is another, it's fine... Uh, pacifism and not wanting to murder your fellow man is a character flaw that you'll grow out of, kids. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that was, it's just, I don't know if uh, Recap captured it, but it was it's like 20 minutes of just dumb fun and silly stuff, and it's just a lot of fun. There's cool scenes with Space F-14 Tomcats in, that are like silhouetted against space with like ice bricks flying around and little red lights, and then there's girls screaming and wildly flailing at trackballs like it's got every and then they have a giant robot with aircraft carrier arms punch a spaceship and fire missiles inside the spaceship if, if you don't like this anime is not for you exactly and i'm pretty sure that those uh robots that are inside the robot carrier that smashes into the ship are some of the ones that would get 
them into trouble with the Battletech lawsuit. Yeah, 100%. They're the mech designs that get used later and then there's a big fight and it's yeah, care and still, no one else does. And I'm just confused all the time. So now we move on to episode 7, Bye Bye Mars, which for a while I was worried about because it has a female character getting all sentimental. But then if you think that Rick spends the entire time having feelings in the first six episodes, I'm maybe going to allow it. Yeah, the problem is is there's only like one scene where you're like this is dumb. Otherwise, it's just pretty good. It has, I guess you'd say, not much depth, but it does have some emotional depth. It makes us and asks us to kind of connect with the character and think about her feelings and her emotions, which is like different compared to every other episode. That makes sense. Yeah, so this char- this episode basically develops uh, Lisa's backstory and also doesn't make you want to kill yourself. So it is far better than the four episodes they develop trying to develop Rick's character. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's uh, it, it does a really good job actually of like adding some depth to it. So it starts off with the Zentradis. They they go to Mars because they do. And did they realize that the planets don't just line up in a big line? Like you don't just go through all the planets. Like they could be on the other side of the solar system. Well, you see, because planets are in orbits, this is completely plausible. Okay, it, it's possible. It's possible that I lined up. So they uh, they turn up to Mars and they find an abandoned base. Uh, the Zentradis decide that they're going to set a trap and they're going to put these uh, gravity mines and they're going to trap the, the ship. Ah, oh, but there's we- a bit of prelude. They've got a new commander for this mission and he's a loose space cannon, but he gets space <laughs> results. <laughs> Brita goes, don't worry about this. I got this. I'm going to call in my dope-ass mechanized fleet. Exodor has a complete conniption and goes, Surely, sir, you can't mean Chiron's division. And, Ex- and Brita responds, I do. And stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> and Exodor explains for the benefit of the audience that Chiron is a loose cannon, but he gets results. God damn it. He's dope as hell. He drinks a lot. He kills his own men. And, uh, <laughs> his Brita- own men call him the backstabber, which is <laughs> just a great, uh, great name to have in, a, in any army. <laughs> and um, Britai is like the supreme commander here And he seems pretty stupid for not realising That this guy has a really terrible uh, reputation He's not the most attentive of, of commanders Especially because he then puts him in charge Of like a very difficult ambush <laughs> Yeah, and then so um, Out of nowhere suddenly these Zentrida ships Appear out of like space hyperspace warp And they slam into the side of the ship And there's shots of like the ship's grinding up against one another and sparks are flying everywhere (laughs) (laughs) and they stop and the space phone rings and and it's Chiron the guy they're talking about and he goes he's like trying to yeah mushy mushy he's pretending like like nothing has happened and he's like hey how you going I'm I'm the subordinate I'm reporting for duty and then off screen you hear someone go ha 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 we crashed into four ships not three I win the bet (laughs) and Chiron turns around and goes silence fool can't you see I'm on the space phone it's incredibly goofy it's it's Um, great it's really great. Uh, Britai explains that he wants that they're going to set a trap using the gravity mines, and we'll see. Uh, we cut inside the SDF one, and Rick is. It's like oh, they'll often have like fights will appear in the middle of a fight just for the purposes of story. And so we cut to the SDF one, and it's just like a fight going on. We've been told that they're constantly attacking all the time, and they're always being attacked. So it's uh, it's time to address the fact that so all of these very tech fighters, right, are basically F-14s with legs, yeah. And it's been shown, in fact, that they are two seaters, and Minmay was in the back of one. No I one. Think that has... was a training one. That was a training one, a special training one. Really? Yep. Are you sure? Because it looks I, an awful lot like they're all two-seaters and no one has a backseater and it's just an empty seat in the back in case you need to pick up a damsel in distress. 
That's actually an interesting point. I'm going to have to look into this further. If, if it's just a training one, then there you go. That, that's great. But I've just the whole time was like, really? Just no warrant officers in the Space Navy? I'll have to check that, actually. Um, so Rick sees a bunch of his wingmates get killed and he ponders his own mortality. And uh, after the fight, they, they land their planes and Roy turns up to Rick and is like, you should have fun and relax. Rick's like, that's a good idea. How about I go check out some <laughs> lingerie stores? And um, he runs into to Min Mei and Min- Rick's like, are you still in school? Which further highlights the weird... They don't have an age gap, but it's still kind of weird that she's in like school school. You know what I mean? Well, either he's a child soldier or he's a pedophile. So good work, Rick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Rick's like, oh no, there's propaganda. They just said that we suffered no casualties. Actually, lots of people died. And Min Mei, because Min Mei doesn't care, doesn't care and says, you shouldn't be sad. Um, on the bridge of the STF-1, they discover weird signals coming from Mars. There's a... Not that I care, but I do care. There's a weird plot inconsistency where the captain's like, I thought the Mars base was um, abandoned after the last war. But at the very start of the episode, Brito is like, ah, our allies have taken out the Mars base. So I don't know if ah, it's like... So it's not an inconsistency. Remember in the very first episode when the Zentradi rocked up and killed the whole Space Navy? That's when they killed the Mars base, and well, that's when they abandoned the Mars base. Okay, so there's like deep Robotech cannon that I'm unfamiliar with. Well, you just weren't paying attention in the first episode, but sure. Well, that's definitely what happened 100%. <laughs> Lisa goes, uh, Do you think it's possible that somebody's alive in there? And the captain's like, Well, you know what? We have to proceed the plot. How about we go to Mars? What a great idea. And then. Uh, it's on the way to Earth. It's fine. On the way to Earth. And then Lisa, like the camera pans in on Lisa and she starts having a flashback. That harp music plays, you know? Yeah, they're like really soft, really soft harp music plays. Like the camera gets all wishy-washy. It's like really kind of blurry. And um, the voice acting here is stupendous. The poor voice actress just has to like say everything up an octave because she's a young girl. It's so, it's so funny. And especially jarring because, you know, Lisa is not Min Mei. In my notes, I have, she's the most oo-woo young girl. You know what I mean. It's unbelievably, unbelievably hard to listen to, honestly. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know, she decides that um, she's going to, like, she's got a, she's got a fiancé. Her fiancé has been assigned to Mars. No, no, he's goes, willingly transferred to Mars. Oh, yeah, because so, he's like a pacifist or something, isn't he? Yeah, where well, he's like, oh, I'm sick of there being so much war on Earth, so... As a member of the armed forces, I'm going to transfer to Mars so there's no fighting. And then she's like, I know it's a good idea. I'm going to join the armed forces so we can be together on Mars. And he's like, yeah, sure, I guess. It's like, dude, <laughs> he's actually moving to a different planet. I don't <laughs> think your relationship is so is going so well. Exactly. And uh, we're going to keep this in mind. I think this contradicts her some of later plot that she says. She's like, this seems to imply that she joins the armed forces because of him. I think that's changed later on. But... Yeah. We'll, we'll look into that. Um, they send out a, a recon ship, and the recon ship's flying around, and then we pan down, and we see, see that Chiron is hiding in a gully in his fancy, important villain mech, so he can stand out from everybody else. We know who he is. Oh, so uh, at this point, Captain Global actually refers to the little like mechs that the humans use as Destroids, which is an excellent name. Chiron villainously ruminates... On how these pesky kids will fall for, fall for his dastardly trap, which I think is great. He's such a fun, like Chiron is like he's the the prototypical kind of like glory hound, dis you know disobeying orders subordinate villain, and it's like really good. 
Yeah, I also like his character design because the rest of the Entradi are like these like grizzled machine man, old man types, and this guy's like young purple space elf boy band. Yeah, he's like dashing space prince or something. It's really great, and so they, they uh, the SDF parks on the on the island on the island on the space on the planet, and they decide that they're not happy with their park, so they decide to move closer and fall into the enemy trap, which is just really funny, really weird. It's not really clear because they, they, yeah, they land far away and Chiron goes, oh, they're too far away. And then they let out their little mech dudes and then they move closer. And it's like, what? why? Okay. Why? Why didn't you just land closer? The- I don't understand. Like they, they, they have, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, Lisa's like on the bridge, Lisa goes, uh, can I be led aboard the base? I want to look for survivors. And the captain is like, be careful. It could be dangerous. So it's fine. I'll just let my XO run around as ground team because she asked nicely. And remember, kids, if you want to do something, that's how you do it. You ask nicely. We cut to the, the surface and Rick and Roy are standing around and Rick is just his incel-ass motherfucking self. And he's like, um, who's this person talking on the radio to me? It's Claudia. And he should clearly know who she is. And because Rick is just an incel-ass jerk, he's like, is this the sourpuss? And everyone has a big laugh about that because Rick's a piece of shit. It's like, please stop referring to your commanding officer as an old <laughs> why, self. Why are you such a garbage human, Rick? I don't understand. And then, because we love creepy things, uh, Roy is like, everybody has been invited to Minmay's birthday party, even me. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> it's, Yikes. It's, it's, yeah, it's terrible. Hi, I'm Ray Fucker. Hitting on schoolgirls. Hitting on schoolgirls. So Lisa is wandering through the base. And she, she finds something troubling, Nick. Something really troubling. She finds a computer that is on. But you know what the problem with that is? There's a dot matrix printer. Do you remember those? How old do you think I am? No, of course I don't remember <laughs> dot matrix printers. My God. I'm actually too old for, uh, too young for a dot matrix printer as well. But uh, yeah, there's like a dot matrix printer just like spewing out spools of, of uh, paper, which is wasting the, the space Mars trees. Think of the trees. That's true, actually. You would not want to use... A pa- like a paper printer on Mars that is very expensive because no. yeah exactly so uh, Chiron is hanging out back in his gully and one of his subordinates says I can't stand it any longer I just gotta kill people so he starts taking off and heading towards the uh, the humans and because Chiron is the backstabber he shoots him in the back which is an, an entirely reasonable I think decision oh yeah totally and of course, like the guy's literally the- gonna blow the whole mission he's like what the hell is your problem and shoots him but just to show how edgy he is. And it's like, I don't know, he kind of had to do that or the mission would have been blown. It doesn't even exactly. kill him. No, he's like, next time I'll kill you. I still think it's a really good bit of characterization. Like, he is such a badass that he's willing to shoot his own men to, in order to... Because he's a loose space cannon who just gets space results. That's right. And of course, because you know we have to have conflict, the explosion of him shooting down his teammate alerts the humans. And then this is bad because they're outnumbered, so they're going to have to take off. But, of course, the Zentradi have placed all their gravity mines there, so they can't. There's a trap, and the Zentradi attack. And then there's a really great moment where one of the... What are we, what are we calling them? The command officers? Bridge crew. The stuff? One of the bridge crew goes, why don't we just take off using our main engines? And the other one is like, weren't you paying attention? They disabled our engines three days ago. Did they tell us that? No, nope, that's like, 100%. <laughs> it's happened uh, between episodes. It's like 100% shit. We didn't think there's actually a way. We've got to write a reason for them not this to... This is also a strike two for the gravity control systems. Yes, exactly. They're, they're terrible. Also, when um, did they reattach them? Uh, who knows? Also between uh, episodes. I guess they reattached them when the main engines broke three days ago. 
Exactly. And it's like they couldn't even have started the episode with like them saying, oh no, what? They should have just said, our engines have been damaged, we should go to Mars to get something to fix them. That would have been like a perfect reason. It would have made perfect sense. Yeah, but... And instead they're just like, nope, engines don't work. I think no one cares. I think that's basically why. No one cares. And so uh, at this point, you talked about them spending more money on fights and this fight scene is actually really well animated. They clearly have more money or they've invested more money into it. And it... Looks pretty good. Yeah, it's it's a good fight. It's probably the it's the first like big ground fight we've seen too, other than um, Rick dicking around in the early episodes with like one on three town fighting. And this is better than that. It's more animated, more interesting. Definitely. And so things are bad. The ship is trapped on Mars, but luckily the captain knows something about the base. He says, "I know something about this base," and they can blow up what they call a reflex furnace. Is that actually a thing, or is that just? No, it's just nonsense. Maybe our one listener will be a metallurgist who will send me a 10,000-word rant talking about how I don't know what I'm talking about and reflex furnaces are totally a thing. Exactly. Um, One of the... Bridge crew. I'm going to have to find replace because I keep putting... Bridge crew. I'm I'm actually thinking it would be really funny if you went over and redubbed every time you said typing pool with a monotone bridge crew. I was going to do that with the first episode. I was going to say, whenever I say heretofore unnamed podcast, I was going to say... My boyfriend is a podcast. But I'm 100% I'm going to do that. I'm going to redub every time it says... Bridge crew. Say bridge crew. And I'm going to leave this in here so... So people know what we're doing. And yeah, you'll have to edit around with the typing pool. It'll be worth it. It'll be really funny. It'll it'll be hilarious. Um, So what I love is one of the bridge crew does a a probability (laughs) check. And and they're like, well, the math checks out. This this will work. This is very Vietnam War. Well, also... What, so what are they just running this like super advanced hyper physics modeling simulator at all times that takes one second to set up? <laughs> it's like <laughs> AB, tactical ABC fact check on steroids. <laughs> How the uh, fuck did they ever lose? This is oh, insane. This is Have you heard that story about the Vietnam War? No. So anymore. one of the guys in charge, because I don't know history, one of the guys in charge of the Vietnam War was really into like advanced metrics. Oh, like uh, that's um, Robert McNamara, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Robert McNamara. And so apparently he fed in the number of North Vietnamese killed, the number of, number of Americans killed, you know, the number of troops, number of guns. And he t- typed in, like, when do we win war? And the computer <laughs> spat back and said, what are you talking about? You won the war two years ago. And so, like, it's a joke about the sunk cost fallacy of, like, the Vietnam War, but also, you know, it reminds me of this. Oh, totally. So, so Lisa runs down into the base and she has, like, Google Maps on her, fo- on her wristwatch. So it's, like, actual proper technology she has like a um was it a pebble watch is that the like the kickstarter watch that never happened probably but people have smart watches now well she's got you can do google maps on them which that's so this is this is this is actually the future she's got google maps (laughs) in 400 steps turn left take the first left on your right (laughs) no damn anyway so oh is this the elevator scene yes the, the infamous elevator scene where she just strikes this like sexy elevator pose it's this so the pose is you know, every 60s sci-fi film, how women will stand... They're clearly wearing heels, even though they're, like, running around in a space battle. <laughs> and they stand with, like, their legs together and their arms out and their hands at, like, a 30-degree angle. And she just sort of naturally strikes this pose as the elevator goes down. <laughs> yes. And then awkwardly runs yeah, out of the elevator. It's terrible and amazing at the same time. Um, she it's runs really th- funny because it totally doesn't suit her character. No, she's, like... Because she's been shown to be, like good at her job like like she's cool and tough but she runs like like a, like a girly girl i mean like that's yeah that sounds dismissive but like 
what a male animator thinks a girly girl would look like. Pretty much. She's um, got an invisible space handbag going on in these scenes. It, it's terrible. It's really funny. So, you know, she goes down there. She presses a bunch of buttons. The computer's like, danger, danger. Furnace in overdrive. Evacuate. And then, Pretty so, cool that uh, how to overload and destroy a reflex furnace is standard training for bridge crew, hey? No, they just know how to do it. It's just it's stuff that, you know, it's in, it's in the infantry manual. They know all about yeah. it. Um, there's a shot of something that I recognize from my limited time of playing Battletech. There's clearly a, a Battletech robot here. Like, um... Mm. Uh, yeah, I noticed there were some cool mech designs here that I went, hmm, is this yeah. vaguely familiar? Like the one with, like, the rocket launcher on its shoulder, whatever that yeah. one's called. Like yeah, hundred... that one. Yeah, it's... So, I, I read a little bit more. Apparently, they needed money to keep producing this show, and I might have to edit this out if it's wrong. They needed money to, to produce this show, so they sold the rights to those robots to the mech warrior dudes. Oh, nice. So they ended up like hoisting their own petard, if you know, if you know what I mean. Well, isn't it only the Robotech animators who have the legal problem? Aren't the original owners of Macross fine? Yes, they're fine. It's just the Robotech people are, are, are being patent trolls and, and can't you know, do things. Yeah. So, yeah, the more you know, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lisa is, a, is running back to the ship. She sees her, boy, her ex-fiance's room and it clearly says Ryber on it. But she she moves the like the, the dust away and it still says Ryber and it's like what what, what more information did you glean from moving this away? It said it, it you can see it. Anyway, so she goes inside, the music gets all like, you know, reflective and she goes, Oh darling, I finally made it to Mars. This this may sound terrible, it actually kinda of makes sense. Like she's finally made it to where her ex fiance is and I I didn't hate this, is what I'm saying. No, no, this this part is fine. There's only one bad part coming up. Um, the bridge crew are like really worried that Lisa hasn't made it off so they call up Roy and they're like yo Roy can you go give us a hand Roy gives Rick a direct order and Rick says why me why does it have to be that lady because he's just the model fucking he's just the worst guy he's like oh someone's (laughs) life is in danger yeah but I have a personal dislike of them so I'm gonna let them die in an explosion he is just seriously the worst so the furnace is about to blow on on the surface and Lisa is in Ryder's room and she just thinks about how much she misses him again this sounds terrible but i'm like yeah you know no this is all fine like you know i mean she didn't know that he was clearly dumping her by moving to mars <laughs> rick rick turns up in his robot and he's like stand stand back i'm gonna blast my way into the building lisa says i'm not leaving this room i don't know why you're here but you can leave right now so rick- this is the dumb part where but- because she's an emotional woman she's decided to commit suicide for no reason and but- other than this it's fine but when she says, I don't know why you're here, but you can leave right now, Rick says, is it something I said? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Gee, so, Rick, I wonder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Rick um, punches a hole in the, um, in the side of the building and grabs Lisa. I will say that there's like an interesting point of characterization here. Previously, Lisa has been yelled at for doing her job. And now, like, the, the shoe is on the other foot. Now Lisa's getting angry at Rick for doing just doing his job, just following orders. I thought that was yeah. a very nice little bit of characterization. There's also a, a, a reasonably obvious visual metaphor here that he picks her up the same way he picked Min May up when she oh, was in danger in the oh, early episode. Exactly, exactly. So, like, Rick takes off and it's like King Kong grabbing the King Kong lady. I don't know. It is. It's a metaphor for how Rick approaches all of his relationships with him. <laughs> so they, they take off and Lisa screams, Ryber! That's, that's pretty funny, I guess. Pretty dumb. And so everything explodes and 
Chiron is like left in the wreckage of Mars and he's like, I hate losing and starts punching his robot because Chiron's the greatest character in this entire thing. Pretty good. Pretty relatable. I hate to lose a fight. Next time, gadget. Next time. <laughs> it's pretty much what he says. It's great. It's great. Oh, and he has a really humongous uh, helmet on, considering how insanely cramped these little random balls with legs that they run around on are. Oh, it is it's ridiculous. Huge. It is massive space helmet. It is, it is the greatest thing. Um, just an observation here. Rick, of all people, should be able to sympathize with getting hung up on somebody, because that's all he's done for the last seven episodes. So yep. it's just more of him being a giant incel jerk. Um, so we cut to like the bridge of the ship, and the narrator tells us, Rick is starting to get feelings for this tough and strong independent woman, Lisa. But he also wants Minmay to one day be his girlfriend. Now, this, this totally made no sense to me because at no point in the episode did Rick display anything but contempt for Lisa. So literally, instead of telling a story, they're just saying the narrator is just telling us stuff. And also, Minmay is pretty obviously his girlfriend at this point. Exactly. Like, you know, they say that... Show, don't tell is like one of those stupid rules of thumb. Like you can show and you can tell. You can do whatever you want as long as it works. It doesn't work when the narrator just tells you this character is getting feelings for the other character. That is an example of bad storytelling. It's just like, uh, okay, I'll take your <laughs> word for it. And you know what? Honestly, next in- next episode, they do not touch on the Rick and Lisa romance whatsoever. Not at all. Not at all. Because this show is the greatest. And, uh... So that's two very great episodes in a row, and we get on to the next one, which is episode 8, called Sweet 16, otherwise known as Legal in Most States in Australia, apart from South Australia, just in case you're wondering. Actually, so isn't this the legal age in Japan? I don't know. I only studied criminal law in Australia, so I can't tell you that. I just dropped that in there so it doesn't seem like I'm a complete freak for knowing the age of consent in Australia. (laughs) You know what I mean? I love it. It's like a, it's like a, both a uh, humble brag of I went to law school and also a defensive <laughs> I'm not a degenerate. <laughs> exactly. That's right. a beautiful twofer. Um, so this episode is not as good as the other ones, but it's not bad. It's just I mean important things happen in it in terms of the overall story, but it's not as good as the last two, which I think were pretty great. Yeah, the last episode we riffed on it a lot, but it's actually a good episode. Like no. it establishes Lisa's character as more depth than just hard ass professional. Yeah. Without undermining her being a hard ass professional. Exactly. And also has some cool fight scenes, but obviously it's not Blitzkrieg. And and also it holds up under scrutiny really well in terms of our twenty eighteen eyes. It does. All right. Except so... for the part where she decides to die for no reason. Exactly. Um Episode 8, Sweet 16. It starts off and it turns out that Chiron has been a giant jerk and he's been told not to attack, but he's just been constantly attacking. This The the ship is in a constant state of attack, is what I'm picking up here. Yeah. Uh, The the narrator tells us there has been a celestial game of cat and mouse. Uh, We cut inside the the STF-1 and Rick has got an invitation for Min May's birthday, but he doesn't have a present, which is bad. There's a station-wide, like call out they they don't have mobile phones but they have like giant like uh courtesy call on blah 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 <laughs> whatever that was price a check. child has been found in <laughs> yeah, yeah. lingerie if rick hunter would like to come and collect him that would be fantastic <laughs> exactly so there's a there's like a station-wide announcement and rick is ordered to, to go and turn up somewhere um Meanwhile, we cut back to Chiron, and Chiron is just an evil, dumb jerk, and he's decided that he's going to attack, but he's not allowed to attack, so he pulls the old, I'm just going to perform some fleet exercises nearby the enemy ship, and if they happen to attack me, then, well, I couldn't have done anything about it. I mean, this guy really 
beautiful Cold War commander. Oh, it's, it's, it's really great. It's really great. Um, Rick goes inside the thing he was told to go to and turns out he's been awarded for Valor for being um, tough. Oh, see, when I saw this scene, I was like, oh, Rick's finally getting court-martialed for constantly <laughs> talking shit to his commanding <laughs> But no, it's the exact opposite. Oh, my God, wow. Afterwards, uh, Roy pulls him up outside. He's like, uh, that's not all, Rick. I'm going to promote you from space sergeant to space lieutenant. Yeah, now this was really weird because Lisa is a lieutenant. So I don't she's understand. She's lieutenant commander. Oh, she is. Is she? Okay. Yeah, she's, she's, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this, this let me in on a big derail about like naval, naval aviators' ranks in actual armed forces. and. Now, I'm not sure, but I thought like pilots were traditionally from like the, the, the aristocracy, aristocracy class, which means they were like officers, weren't they? In, an, in most air forces. Yes, pilots are all officers. I don't know about naval aviators. I guess yeah. they're also like officers. Flight officers? Is that like not a real officer, but like a... Do you know what I mean? I, I, think, I think it's a thing, but I honestly don't know. And people do know. So if we talk about it at length, pretending we know what we're talking about, we will 100% get called out by, you know, exactly who I'm talking about. Exactly. So uh, Rick's been promoted to flight space flight lieutenant and he gets two subordinates and they are Ben Dixon and Max Sterling. And we're going to take a quick detour here and point out that uh, Ben... Oh, they're, they have enlisted ranks, don't they? They're both corporals. Yes. And so, so I don't understand how this rank system works at it all. It doesn't make any sense. So Ben Dixon's voice actor, we actually heard earlier on as a incidental voice. Um, I think they do that just because he's not an established character. You can use him before they become an established character. Like yeah, in terms of like. Yeah, in terms of like just good labor use. And uh, so he is Bartu from The Ghost in the Shell. And he's always been Bartu, if that makes sense. Like he's been in the films yeah. and in the TV show. And Max's voice actor is Cam Clark, who is like from absolutely everything from this era. He's uh, Liquid Snake from the Metal Gear games, the evil dude. All and right. he's also, I think he's like Leonardo or something. He's like a Ninja Turtle. Ah, uh, yeah. I thought his voice sounded yeah, familiar. If, if he's familiar, he is in, he does like... Um, not like major character voices, but he's in like every video game is just like a shopkeeper or somebody you chat to. He's in like yeah, everything. Right. Like he's, his IMDb page is absolutely massive and he's like the voice of my childhood. He's in absolutely everything. Isn't, um, is the Batu the voice actor who is also the Japanese voice actor too? Is that, is that right? Or am I just, I don't think so. I think that there are dubs of Macross where Minmei is the same voice actress. Like she just yeah, speaks English. I know but... it's rare, but but occasionally they find a, a voice actor who speaks good enough English that they do both. Yeah, and so uh, we meet our characters, and these guys at the moment are not super developed characters. Ben Dixon is like the super overconfident subordinate, and he's like the big boisterous giant. And uh, Max is like the super modest Japanese man. Well, I don't know anything, but I'd sure love to learn from you, senpai. Uwu. <laughs> this guy's great. The. Uh oh you've got nothing to worry about with me here like he says it so often it's like no. okay this is the foreshadowing of hey i've got one day till retirement and here's a photo of my wife and kids and not only you are so right he always says not only does he say you'll, you'll be safe while i'm around he always laughs afterwards he's like oh man how are we gonna finish our, our hamburgers don't worry you'll finish your hamburgers when i'm around ha <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, it's just great. It's just like, oh, gee, I bet this guy's gonna live a long time. And in a um, in a uh, flashback or callback to Biggles ejaculating, Max asks for it. No, Max or Ben asks if if uh, Rick would mind if they have a threesome. Yeah, that was 
one of those like old timey sentences that just does not age well. It, it does not. It's like, hey, mind if we made your party a threesome? <laughs> it's like, uh, but, um, do you mean I need to go get like a fishbowl for car keys? Is, is that what you're getting at here? <laughs> and we cut back on the bridge and uh, Lisa reads the list of promotions and she freaks out that Rick Hunter has got a promotion. That insubordinate, useless Rick Hunter, which to be fair, she's completely correct. There's no way this, like, you know, he's not actually a very good pilot. He's extremely insubordinate, and he constantly talks back. Exactly. And then uh, Claudia teases her and says, "He only got promoted because he saved a damsel in distress." Owned. <laughs> exactly. So Ben, Rick, and Max, who from now on I'm referring to as the Three Stooges because they'll be together a lot. The Three Stooges turn up to uh, Minmay's uncle's restaurant, and a Minmay immediately starts sitting on Max, and uh, Minmay's like. Oh, Where? not before she, like, shakes down um, <laughs> she Rick for his birthday present. Completely shakes him down. Where is my present? And Literally, Rick's... she hands out an open palm and makes a gimme motion and makes a <laughs> hmm expectant noise. Like, she is mercenary. She is, and Rick does the old, I left it in my room. I totally have something for you. And then Minmay gets really huffy that she uh, she hasn't he hasn't got anything for her. Minmay uncle, uh, Minmay's uncle goes to Rick, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself because that Max dude could steal Minmay right from under your nose. On the bridge, uh, they work out that their radar has been jammed because they don't see anything on it. It actually makes sense. They're like, we should be seeing background noise. We see nothing. We're being jammed. We're going to get attacked. Lo yep. and behold, who would have thought on the day of his retirement, I mean, on the day of her birthday, they just happened to be an attack. Who would have thought? What are the odds? <laughs> what are the odds? Minmay, like occasionally Minmay is like, they try and make Minmay be be like not cool, and Minmay gets upset that they're being dragged away to defend the spaceship from the attack. Which is weird because she's like a massive militarist ninety nine percent of the time, and he's got a massive like hard on for killing aliens at all times. It's like I, it could have been done better. She could have been upset that her birthday party has been ruined by an attack, but she seems huffy that Rick has to go, which I don't think works. Yeah, it's it's a bit silly, but you know Minmay's character is easily the weakest part of the show. Have followed you, closely by Rick. Have you seen uh, Mad Men? Uh, kind of. There's a really great episode where one of the characters gets married on the day JFK gets assassinated, and she's just there screaming, <laughs> It's been ruined! And it's pretty much what I imagine an inmate doing here. You ruined my birthday! So they all uh, try and hop in a taxi to get to their planes, and there's a really funny scene where they fit in a like 30 dudes in one taxi, and it's like a complete clown car. And Ben takes the time to go, Hey, Rick, do you mind if I hit on that? And Rick gets all upset about it. And then Ben's like, you, you, Nothing will go wrong while I'm around. Ha 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 Gee, I hope I survive the next mission. Looks into camera. <laughs> so they, all, you know, they all take off and, uh, and fly into space. And Ben keeps doing his, Let me at him, let me at him. I'm going to kill them all. I'm the greatest pilot. And then, of course, they get into a fight. And straight away, Ben's like, Ah! help me help me help me because it turns out he's a terrible pilot and meek meek and mild-mannered max gets all arrogant and owns like a million guys (laughs) he does that 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 trope of like i'm gonna show you how i do like the focus maneuver and he does like something and starts shooting people and he's like all great at everything and you know they they shoot some dudes and then lisa calls up gives them a call on the old space phone to tell them that they're shithouse because that's just what she does well, she, she calls Rick and goes, why are you being shit? And he's like, oh, I'm babysitting my subordinates. And it's like, good work, leadership. Good leadership, good leadership. immediately throwing your subordinates <laughs> under the bus. He does that as well. He does that later on. Does He's like, how, how can I do this when I have two idiots with me? It's, it's Rick's terrible. Um, Chiron's main attack uh, attacks the ship and he lands like on the ship and they start walking on the ship and then 
Um, they have a jewel. They have no. Well, before that, Ben lands and goes, "I like to get rough," and then gets shot from behind. If you know what I mean. Oh uh, yeah, is that the line where they say, "Oh, we'll come from behind and destroy them"? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, as you said, Chiron and Rick get into a into a, a duel. Rick gets like really bad to shut up. His like face of his robot melts, and he's like, "Oh no, what should I do? I have to think fast." And he says this while standing in like plain view of the dude, not moving. Got to think fast. But then Chiron's like, "Hmm, this this puny human fights really well." Apparently. Um, meanwhile, back in the main Zentradi ship, Big Daddy Britai is really upset that they've attacked, so he uses his evil mind control to make all the Zentradi retreat, which, on one hand, it saves them from being destroyed at the last second, but I think it's actually kind of creepy that you have, like, evil mind control. Well, they should probably give it to this unruly commander so he doesn't have to shoot his subordinates in the back all the time. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, the Zentradi all retreat and the day is saved. They, you know, they snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And all the, the three stooges go back to the ship and they're hanging out and they're like, wow, Max, turns out you're really good. And Max is like, actually, it turns out I am the dopest shit on this spaceship. I'm the most awesome part of the thing. He's it's like, pretty great. Yeah. Max's entire character is just Rick's insecurities have been molded into a human. He's <laughs> really great. And Ben is just like covered in like, uh, in not, yeah, Ben's covered in like bandages and stuff because he got shot, which is really funny. But he didn't die, which honestly surprised me when I watched the episode after him carrying on the whole time. <laughs> um... Ben's like, how many did you kill, Max? Max's like, I killed nine. How many did you kill, Rick? And Rick's like, I killed five. Oh, it's worse than that. Rick's like, oh, I killed five. And then Ben's like, eh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rick, you know, they say goodnight to everybody. And then Rick's like, oh, no, I forgot to get Min May a present. It's like midnight everywhere. Everything is clearly closed. And he's like, what am I going to do? So he goes and grabs the medal that he got early on in the episode. He turns up at Min May's house and he's like, here, Minmi, I got this for you. And he throws it to her. And like the moment she opens it, she's like, bye, go, go. And he just runs away. And, yeah, but it's really strange. She's like, oh, it's sparkly. And it's like, how does Minmi not know that this is a medal? Especially considering yeah. it says, this is a medal. It is for Rick Hunter for doing these things. Here is Rick Hunter's military serial number. And it's like, this is another thing. Like, I know it's really poor form to suggest like edits and creative advice, but it's like, it would have been fine if he had said, I don't have a present for you, but here, this is something that means a lot to me. How about you have it as, like, a token of my fear? Oh, yeah, like, she's, like, a total, like, you know, military fetishist. She would love the medals, but they just kind of had to make it a bit more explicit. Yeah, and it's, like, it would have been, like, a good symbol of, like, him giving up something for her. But in the end, she's just like, ooh, shiny. Literally, ooh, shiny is the line that she uses. Ooh, shiny, yeah. Uh, It's, uh, it's, this is on the back of two really great episodes. This is, like, an okay episode, but I think I still got... An infinite amount of goodwill. Yeah, it's it's still a little bit like a oh, why why you get so close to being good. Yeah, it, it's on the you almost nailed it. You just didn't quite nail it. And with that, it's now time for our new segment, emails. If you have an email for the podcast, you can send it to myboyfriendpodcast at gmail Our first email is from Andy. Dear sirs, I'm so glad you decided to try out Gmail. Here are a few tips to try and get you up and running fast. <laughs> Your assistant helps you get it done. Your Google Assistant has you covered with easier ways to get things done on our new phone. Thanks, Andy. That's a really great email. Remember, if you have emails, feel free to send the draft podcast and we'll read them on the Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you, Thank you next time. We'll see you next time on My Boyfriend is a Podcast. With episode Miss Macross. Oh wait! Don't we, before we end it, we got to say yeah. Um, the, the end narration is again unironically excellent. It's like Rick Hunter fights for his life 
in the battlefield trying to save the space station. Meanwhile, Minmei fights for her own life in an equally as vicious battle to be the prettiest girl on the spaceship. <laughs> it's like, that's... I, mm, okay, yeah. mm, alright, yep. And you can clearly see right now we're going to like sexually objectify a 16-year-old girl, which, hey, I guess it's legal in Japan, said, so who am I to say? That said, I don't know about this version, because as mentioned, I've only ever seen the original Macross with the Japanese uh, dub. But this episode has the song that we use for this sh- this podcast. Uh, well, we're going to have to see. This is going to be exciting. I, I don't remember if the song My Boyfriend is a Pilot is going to be in English. I hope it oh, is. I it's hope such a it is. Silly it's song. so bad. And uh, which, for, the, for those who, if for some reason you're listening to this podcast and you don't get the opening, well, not get, the opening theme is with one of the Japanese songs in MIDI format. And it is the most, like, the most J-pop kind of schmaltzy kind of, like, uwu kind of pop ballad. It's called My Boyfriend is a Pilot, which is why we've titled the podcast My Boyfriend is a Podcast. And I, I, I can pray, I pray and hope that that song is just translated into English and we can Just hear directly. It. Except maybe the part that's in English in the original song, they can translate that back into Japanese. Oh, it's like a complete reverse yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's layers, man. Well, that that does it for this episode, and we'll catch you soon, and have a good one. See ya.